Welcome to this week's podcast from Suncoast Church. We hope that this message inspires you and helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, so good to have you here today. And uh, as we're finishing a, a series off, we just figured there was nothing better than having Barnsley on a long weekend um, just to settle you right in. So if you're someone who's new to church, you don't usually come here, and maybe the first 15 minutes you're like, I have no idea what they're singing about. And they've got their hands raised and everything. But then like Barnsley came on and you're like, yeah, now I know where it's at. Well, we're glad you're here. And uh, it's really cool. We've been in a series over the past four weeks called Wish You Were Here. And we've been, I guess, exploring the idea of what it means, particularly at the start of the year, how do you get from where you are to where you wish you were? And the past uh, three weeks, which hopefully have been super helpful, if you've missed any one of them, you can uh, check out our podcast either on our app or on our, our website there. Um, there have been very, there've been a whole lot of things that you can apply uh, personally, and that's been the idea of how do we kind of make some personal steps towards going from where we are to where we wish we were. Now, today I want to build on that as we, we land this series, but I want to t- t- take a, a, a really different tact. I don't just want to address you as individuals. I want to do something I don't do very often, and I probably should do more, but I'm definitely going to give it a shot today. I want to talk about us corporately as a community, as a local church, Talk about how do we get from where we are to where we as a church wish we were. And um, so if you are visiting here today, this is actually really cool that you're here for, for, for this particular message because uh, maybe one of the reasons I know a lot of people are skeptical of church or faith in general is maybe you've had some ideas about what uh, churches are about or what God is about. Maybe you've heard it from a friend who's had a bad experience or maybe you had a bad experience or maybe, you, I don't know, you watched something on, on media or on the news and it maybe left a bad taste in your mouth. I'm so cool that you're here today because hopefully by the end of these next few moments, uh, you would hear straight from our heart and our mouth what, what drives us, why we're here, why we give up time and finance and resource of our life to contribute to something that is bigger than us. And my goal today is to, I guess, reaffirm, none of this will be particularly new for, for probably most of you, but to reaffirm some things that I think are super important for us to double down on as a community, for us to be unashamed about, for us to keep taking our next step in. So uh, maybe you're someone who's been coming to Suncoast a few months and you'd be like, do we make this our home and do we kind of, kind of, you know, dig in our heels and make this part of, make this, you know, what we want to invest to? I'm hoping today by the end of it, you're like, yeah, this, I, well, at least you can make an educated decision because you'd hear what our heart is. We had our United Night on Tuesday night. We had 200 people here who helped serve and volunteer, contribute in a whole different uh, array of areas every day of the week here. And it was so cool for us to be able to, to launch New Year. Um, in that way. And so that's why today I thought it was really important that I kind of share some of the things that are my wish for you. We've talked about God's wishes for you. We've talked about future you's wishes for you. And today is your pastor. I want to share some of my wishes for you. So this isn't going to be so much as a sermon as per se or a message, um, but this is going to be from my heart. And so you might really, really disagree with a whole lot of the stuff I say. And, and if you do, I'm really glad, glad you're in the building as well. Um, and this is going to be something that I'm sure I'm going to get better at, but I figure it's pretty important that every, time, every few times through the course of the year, because um, I do it regularly with our leaders and our teams and particularly places like United Up, but it's cool as we gather on Sundays for me to share what my prayers are. And the reason I felt this was important is if you look through all the New Testament, almost every single um, 
one of the letters involved in our New Testament were written by some church leader, either with the Apostle Paul or Peter or James or Jude or John. And often in it, they expressed their great desires or their great wishes for the churches in whom they were so invested in. And they'd often write down the, the regular prayers they had for their church or their desires or what they wished the churches would be like. And so as I often read through that, I, I, I kind of I kind of get my hunch and my heart is your pastor, what I pray for and what I wish for us as a community. So I figure it's important today for me to share that. And the reason as well, I think this is important because I'm aware that you as well probably have a wish for this church too. If you're someone who gives here and someone who volunteers here and someone who's regularly part of, and more than just Sundays, but a regularly part of this community in some way or another, I'm sure that after you leave one of our servers or you leave one of the areas that you're involved in, you probably walk away with wishes. And you wish things would be more like this or wish they would do more of that or wish you would stop talking or whatever it might be. You might likely have wishes of your own for this church because you're involved. And that's a good thing, right? You should have wishes and desires for things that you love and things that you're heavenly invested into. And I'm convinced that you can tell a lot about a group of people. You can tell a lot about a local church by what their wishes for their church is, what their prayers are. Let me put it another way. <laughs> you can tell a lot about a group of people of what their major complaints are regularly about. Am I right? And I just want to say this straight off the bat, your complaints are awesome. I know that sounds like the most weirdest statement to make, but here's the thing. What we regularly hear back, and, what we, and, and by we, I guess I mean us, because there is no us and them. The, the, the emails I get in, right, or what my team gets in, they're usually about things and people's concerns or people's queries or a complaint or a worry about the things that we're worried about as a leadership here and things that we're concerned about. And by far above anything else, the things that you are most concerned about, at least that the feedback we get, is people. And you care that people are loved and you care that people are looked after and you care that people that are on the periphery of community that are going through crisis or going through struggle and make sure they're loved and cared for. And you care that people who are new to faith or people who aren't yet sure that they aren't feeling like they're outsiders and they don't feel like they don't belong. Like this is the stuff we feel back from you. When you have an experience, maybe you bring someone along to church or maybe you have a friend that you've been investing into and you want to see them knit into community and maybe they have an experience that you're not super proud of. That's the stuff we hear most informed. We barely hear anything about the music. I'm probably going to get one or two about Barnsley in church on a Sunday morning, but that's okay, right? Most people are going to go, it's so cool. Like, I'll invite my, my friend to a church like that because they love Barnsley. They don't know church music, whatever it might be. But here's the thing, by firing away the stuff that we, the feedback we get from you is all because you guys care for people. And I just think that is the, the coolest, most important thing because it would be too easy for us as a local church to be so consumed with just doing stuff that we like and stuff that's easy for me and gives me a great experience on a Sunday and all that. And as much as that's part of it and important, I love the fact that on the tip of your tongue and on the tip of your prayers and on the tip of your wishes is that you are concerned for what concerns the heart of a heavenly father. And that is people. And I want to applaud you for that. And that's why I feel safe as well to share some of these wishes with you today. And here's the thing. The reason I'm confident about what I want to share today is because I think you get our vision. You get it and you live it. And it's more than just words that are going to be popped on the screen in just a second. This is what, we, this is what we're believing to see, that we would be a church that loves like Jesus and that we would build a church that the unchurched love. And as simple as these might roll off the tongue, these are ambitious. You don't understand just how far the love that you show for people is going right now in this city. Because our commitment isn't just to be a club or to have meetings or have events, but ultimately we have a vision to be a people 
that we are more than just a building and we're more than just a service. We are a church. We are a people. And if our vision is to keep loving like Jesus, I'm telling you that love is able to break down walls that nothing else can break down. It's better than any song or better than any show or better than any item or better than any event. When you love like Jesus, that breaks down walls that nothing else can break down. And what you have to understand is this, the way you love as a church, and what you are doing right now and what many of you give towards and to contribute, the prayer that many of you give, the care that you make, your love is going further than you realize. I wish I could tell you some of the stories of the people that right now are sitting in this room and that because of your generosity of the community that you have been investing into building, you have made someone who's otherwise been in an emergency or has otherwise been in danger or has otherwise been completely lonely. You have created a space for people of all walks of life to know that not only does the Heavenly Father love them, but there is a community that has made space for them. Do you realize that you're helping people who've come from domestic violence situations find a safe community to be in? You'll never probably hear their stories, but they're, they're here in this community. And you have to understand our vision to keep loving like Jesus. We'll keep going to places that maybe a Sunday service could never go, that maybe you yourself might never walk in, but you invest into it. So I want to applaud you for being committed to a vision where we would be a church that loves like Jesus. And then ultimately, that we would build a church, and what we're about creating here and the environments we create and the spaces we create that aren't just for insiders or aren't just for Christians, but remember once upon a time, if you're a Christian here, you weren't a Christian. And weren't you grateful there was an environment created that you loved and gave you a chance to grow in your faith and gave you a chance where you were at with all the things you didn't understand and with all your mess to grow in your faith. And we want to always believe that this would be a church, that unchurched people, maybe people who don't even yet believe in God or people are somewhere on their journey would love this church. They don't believe everything we believe yet, but they man their love how they're treated and man they're envious of how you treat one another. Okay, cool. Great vision, John, inspiring stuff. So, so here's, I just want to look at one wish then that one church father had in the New Testament. This is from the Apostle Paul. And we're going to get, and again, I could have picked a million, but this, it, it kind of splits it into four parts. And I think there's a really good frame today to work within. This is in Ephesians, the book of Ephesians chapter three. Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus about one of his wishes or his prayer and his desire for that church. So let's check it out. It's Ephesians chapter three. He writes to them, I pray that you being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. So his prayer, what he was wishing is that, hey, here's my idea. Once you're grounded, once you're set up, you're established in the love of God, this is my wish for you. And this is my prayer with, for you and all the people together with all the Lord's holy people. Notice this word grasp, that you'd get it. This would be more than just a, a head knowledge thing or a thing you think you sing about. It'd be something that you truly have grasped. You know when you grasp something in life, like it's like it's in you, it's like in your veins and coming out of your pores. This is what he wishes for them. This would be more than just lip service. This would just be more than saying amen. This would be something that would truly grasp, that you would grasp how high God's love is for you, how long, how deep, and how wide. This is his prayer and this was his wish. And I find it amazing that he opened it by saying, once you're established and grounded in this love, as if to say this, that the love of Christ, this is so important to understand, particularly as we set up a framework for the things I want to share on today, is that the love of Christ, it grounds us. He said, once you are rooted and established in love, and you have to understand this, there, you know, there, there are so many um, there are so many life events and there, there are so many, um, I guess, highs and lows that you and I can walk through, not only in our own lives, but in community, that it can easily throw us 
But Paul was saying this, there's something about the love of Christ for you and I that has a grounding effect. It like, it sets a solid foundation for your life. And here's the idea. If you have a good footing or if you're grounded in something, you are able to withstand almost anything. And often the reason why some people last uh, certain tragedies and some people endure certain setbacks is because they had a great footing in life. They had great grounding. And Paul is saying this, I'm praying that once you're grounded and once you've found your footing in Christ, I mean, this is the thing that's going to lead to your spiritual growth. So here's what, in, the, in light of that, in light of being grounded in Christ, I remember, um, I didn't, Chloe and I, when we used to travel on the, the London Underground, the Tube, there's some lines that were renowned for being so uh, rough and fast and would hit certain corners. And it was so funny watching tourists getting like thrown around the cabin. It was quite hilarious, particularly at peak hour. I know that sounds weird, but it just was. And so Chloe and I invented a game called um, Tube Surfing where you wouldn't want to hold on to anything and you know what corners were coming up. And so the idea was to, to get a good grounding with your feet. And so when you knew the fast corners would come and you'd kind of like surf it, Chloe thought of the game. I thought it was silly, but I played along. <laughs> you, yeah, you, she is the master. That's the truth. She's much better at it than me. So, but this is the idea, right? When you have a good grounding in life, you can handle the twists and you can handle the turns, right? It doesn't, doesn't often make them less painful. It just means it doesn't knock you off your feet. And Paul's saying in the same way, when you grasp, the love that God has for you through Jesus, it is one of the most grounding things that you have in your life. And, and in light of what I want to share today, I wanted to set this up really importantly because what we're not talking about, what I'm not trying to address is anything along the lines of church discipline or church behavior. And maybe you've come from a church experience that, that was mega paramount. This is nothing, I don't want to talk about anything in that regard. This isn't about club rules, right? This isn't about insider initiation, or how to know if you're in the cult, you know? This is anything but that. This isn't about the difference between being an insider and outfighter. What follows, and what I want to share today about my, my wishes for you, this is in light of us being grounded in the knowledge and the conviction that we are loved by Jesus Christ. And what does a life look like? What does a church community look like that is grounded in the love of God, right? That firmly has our feet planted in this idea that Jesus' love for us is unconditional and that not only was it proved once and for all through His death and resurrection, it is still today at works in our life through His Holy Spirit. That the love of Christ is still changing hearts, people's stories like Tyra, that the lives are still being tricked transformed, excuse me, from the inside out. And so once we have a footing and a settledness on this idea that we are loved by Christ, it is, it, I think that puts us in the best position as a community to keep moving forward and to keep growing. Notice what Paul says here again. If we go to the next slide, he says, I pray that you've been rooted and established together, established in love, may have power, say this word with me, together. Let's say it again. One, two, three. Together, together with all the Lord's holy people meaning the church, Jesus followers, to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep. As if to say that Paul recognized there was a link between our togetherness and our growth in Christ. And as much as you and I have a personal, individual relationship with the Heavenly Father, you are part of the body of Christ. You're part of His church, His people. And the heart of God towards there being a togetherness, isn't that it would make your faith less or somehow less important? Is that there'd be something about our togetherness. There'd be a link with how we operate together as a community that would ultimately result in your faith in Jesus growing. And our prayer and our ambition and the things I want to share today, the whole, the whole heart behind them is that you would grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and that us as a community would continue to grow together as we pursue what we feel God has called us to pursue. So are you ready? 
Thank you, Chloe. Okay, wish number one. Wish number one. Here's my wish for you. For 2020, that you would be in the game, not in the stands. He's prayer that you would know how wide is the love of God. And here's what I found, and you probably found this too, that our perspective about anything in life, even more so when it comes to being involved in church and in a faith community, it broadens when you're in the game. And it broadens when you're on the field. And my prayer is that this year, more than ever before, you would determine when it comes to our togetherness and your faith in Jesus, you determine to be in the game, not just in the stands. Um, I am one of those guys who, when watching a footy match, am so quick to label people on the field going, uh, what a, you know, what a sook or what a wuss. If that was me, I would have chipped it over his head. Or done, I would have easily tackled him. No, I wouldn't, right? Neither would you. Because the view, the view is extremely different when you have a 180 kilogram, perfectly muscular person running towards you on the field, right? And in the, am I right? Okay. So, so in the same way, the view is extremely different. In any case in life, when you determine not just to be in the stands of something and watch and observe, but determine, I want to get in. I want to get dirt under my fingernails. I want to get in the grime of this. I want to have some sweat on my brow. And I want to feel the weight of this mission myself. And my prayer this year is that you would move from simply being, I don't know, many of you are always making this move and you're doing a great job, but I'm being unapologetic about my wish, that we would always be more concerned with being a contributor than a commentator. Anyone can be a commentator. Anyone can give their opinion and their ideas and their thoughts, and they often are very good thoughts and very valid ideas and ideas that we need and ideas that we need to share. But there is something about determining someone who would contribute rather than just being someone who commentates. You know who makes the best commentators in sport? People who played the game, people who have the war wounds, people who have grace for the people in the field, people are like, I get it, I was there. Check out my nose, it got broken 10 times. Can't even smell anything out of it, right? And this is why I'm convinced, this is why I'm convinced that people who, the longer you follow Jesus with all your heart, you actually should be becoming kinder. Because the longer you follow Jesus, the more you realize you don't have it sorted out. The longer you spend in the game, the more you realize, man, this isn't as easy as it once was watching from the stand, just going, you wuss, you know, do it this way. So my prayer for you is that this year, that you would move, and some of you need to make the move today from going from just being a commentator to being a contributor. I remember when we tried to launch groups here, when Chloe and I first took on the church five years ago, connect groups, and we recognized we wanted to make sure we were a church that didn't just attend services, but we wanted people to be in small groups. We figured pastoral care happens best in small groups. Discipleship happens best in small groups. Spiritual growth happens best in small groups. It's just funner. Circles are so much better than rows. And as we started that, it fun, we just found like it wasn't always the traction you wanted to get. Now you're an amazing church and groups, and we have more groups than we've ever had in history, and they're doing so well. We can always be going more. There's always more people joining that want to join groups. And in two Sundays' time, we'll be doing our groups Sunday. We do it twice a year. So it's a You'll be hearing about that later on. But I remember for us, it was interesting because um, for Chloe and I, our lives were full and busy and we had a, uh, you know, we were getting busier. We had our, 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 our daughter was on the way and then our daughter was born. We're like, man, our life's so full. And in the middle of the most busiest we have ever been, we just felt so convicted when it came to the area of groups that we would be in the game. And Chloe brought up with me. She's like, we need to run a group as well. I'm like, but we're running all the groups. He's like, no, we, we need to, we need, if we're speaking into this, we also need to be in the game. So I was like, all right. And, she, and I'm like, are you sure? We'd never, had, we'd never had less time in our lives, 
less margin. We've never had less sleep in our lives and, and, and we've never had less room in our home than them. But we're like, let's do it. And so we started the group. And I'm telling you, two things happen when you determine, and maybe this is the year for you, when you determine to not simply be any longer just in the stand, but you want to get in the game, whatever that looks like for you, two things are guaranteed to happen. Number one, that you'll find things are much more difficult than you assumed. And what that leads to is then you having much more grace for people and being kinder to people, more patient with people because you're in there too. And you're grateful when someone shows grace to you. And if Jesus is like, hey, well, treat others how you like to be treated. I sure like to be treated with grace. Do the same. When you're in the game, you realize things are much more difficult than you assume. But the second thing that happens when you get in the game is that you quickly find that things are much more better than you assumed. And it surprises me to no end when someone starts taking that step from just being someone who's an attender in our church or someone who just commentates to someone who goes, I want to get in. You realize, oh my gosh, this community is amazing. What we do together, like the part that we all get to play is unbelievable. And when you start taking that step from commentator to contributor, you realize not only things more difficult than you assume, but things are way better than they are from watching on the sidelines. So my, my prayer, my wish for you is that you'd use your gifts, your passions, your experience, and your wisdom to invest in this community, to invest into this mission. And particularly, this is so, so important, that you would particularly determine to invest in the next generation. And there's always a next generation. The reason this is so vital, and you have to understand this, is two reasons. Number one, Christianity. This is a crazy thought. Christianity is only ever one generation away from extinction. But more than that, but more than that, is you have something to contribute to someone else. And what you've been through and the lessons you've learned and the scars that you have to show and the weight that you've carried and the experience you've had, there are some people that might be able to avoid avoid heaps and heaps and heaps of pain in life because you wanna share your pain with them, right? The more you invest in the next generation, it takes away this critical edge. And when I straight away can see it from my life when someone lives critical of the next generation, and the next generation could be anyone. It can be, it doesn't have to be an age thing. It can mean a million things. But it's so easy, interesting to see when people are so quick to criticize the next gen and how these next group of people are doing it. I'm like, are you willing to, if you've got enough energy to criticize them, would you be willing to invest into them? Like if you really see what you see, well, you need to help them see what you see and get in the game. And when you get in the game with the next generation, you realize it's a lot tougher than you thought it was, but you'll also realize they're doing a lot better than you thought they were, right? So I'm asking you to invest in invite to use your gifts, your talents, your wisdom, your experience. Now, here's the thing. If I've lost you in that, and if you're saying, well, I don't have anything like that to contribute, here's one thing, no matter whether you feel like you're gifted or talented or experienced or not, here's one thing we can all do. This year, here's my wish, and this is what it means to be in the game that you're just in the stands. I want you to think of one person, just one, just one, someone who you're investing into. Maybe it's a neighbor or a friend, a colleague, a family member, someone who you are being the example of Christ to, someone that you are loving, someone that you're being generous to, someone that you are the person they can depend on, that person, someone you've been investing in. Here's what I want to ask you to do to contribute this year. Invest and invite. You've been investing into their life. You've been that consistent person. This year is a year I want you to believe you're gonna be intentional now about your investment in order that you would be able to invite them into everything God has for them. You'd invite them into church. You'd invite them into community. And if we all just, this year, imagine what would happen if we all just did that for one 
person. Just one. Just one. Not ten. Not two. Just one. Imagine that. That's my prayer for you, that this year you'd be in the stands. No, that you wouldn't just be in the stands. You'd be on the field. (laughs) One of the best quotes, and I'll move on to wish number two that I've ever heard, and it's a classic one from Teddy Roosevelt, the man in the arena. You're familiar with this? He said, it's not the critic who counts. This was written 110 years ago. It's not the critic who counts, nor the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails by daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who who know neither victory nor defeat. Who wants to be in the arena? Great. So that's my prayer and wish for you. Okay, number two. He says, I pray that you'd know how wide and how long. So here's my second wish for you, that you would be driven by vision and not just sight that you would be driven by vision, that we would be driven by vision and not just by what we see. Um, It's interesting. um, We can often have that. I certainly have this idea that if we just do a little bit of this, if you just maybe put that in place, then this whole church would work way better. Jono, if you just taught for 10 minutes less, this whole revival would hit the Sunshine Coast, right? Whatever it might be. If we just do this, tweak that, then this, this would sort. But what you have to understand for whatever reason, well, we know the reasons. Jesus seemed to, the analogies he used more than anything else in the Gospels. He would always refer to agricultural analogies, right? And as much as I think he referred to them because most people in ancient Israel were, understood agricultural analogies, I think there's something in it at a deeper level too. Because you'll find that a church community or a group of people in general is much more like a garden than a machine. And we are much more like a garden than a machine. And to think that mechanics of a community, if you just do that. And if you push that button there and you tighten that bolt, then this would work perfectly. It's not like that. We're not a machine. Humans are complicated. Heck, you're complicated. You don't even understand you most of the time. Am I right? Yeah. Your, your spouse probably, un- but they don't, but they do, but they try, but they love you. They have to live with you. So, so as a community, you have to understand, we are much more like a garden than a machine. And if any of you are passionate about gardening, you would know it's a labor of love. And it takes time. It means things that are planted don't grow overnight. They need time to flourish and to cultivate. Sometimes things need stripping back. Sometimes things need weeding. Sometimes things that were like golden canes back in the 80s were an attractive plant. They're not anymore. Right? Times are changing. Just putting it out there. So, so the community as well, right? We're much more like a garden. Well, that really hit home. Um, we're much more like a garden that needs to be continually tended to, loved. It takes time. And this is what I often think why I want us to make sure we are a a church that's committed more to being about our vision, what we see in the future, not just what we see now. Because there's always going to be something in the now that's frustrating, always going to be something in the now that could be better, like your garden. Things don't just grow overnight. They take investment, they take sowing. So vision, we share this often whenever we talk about vision, but, and vision can be a billion things, but here's what we usually take it as here. It's a picture of what could be in the future fueled by a conviction of what should 
be now. And if you think if there's some things like, man, this should be, and this should, you're right. But what a church that's driven by vision does, it is gripped more about what we see right now. We're gripped more about where things could be. And so we are led by vision. And this is how it plays in community, but also plays in how you and I love others. It's so easy for us to see people where they're at, right? And their problem right now. But when you're someone who's led by vision more than by sight, you see more than just people's problems. You see their potential. And you don't simply love people in terms of how they are right now. You love them according to where you believe they could be. That's an enduring love. That's an unconditional love. And ultimately, this is the love that you and I have been shown by God through the life of Jesus Christ. This is how God sees us. My prayer is that we wouldn't just be a church that responds to needs of the present, but we'd also give towards our dreams for the future. That you would live the kind of life that doesn't just make the decisions for your own life about what's convenient now, but you would make decisions in terms of what is God's wish for you. And that was week number one in this series. You can go back and have a listen to that. But furthermore, that you would make decisions or you'd at least pay attention to future you's wishes for you. And again, that was week number two. You can go back and listen to that as well. <laughs> and that you would see all the potential in the relationships in your life and not just the problems. And there's a word for what I'm talking about here, right? There's a word, and this is why it's, it's a difficult thing to sometimes get our head around. It's faith. And this idea of seeing beyond just what is and what you can see with your eyes and how things are, to decide to be a community that sees more, not ignore, but just more than the present. That rhymes. Write that down because I'll use that in the second one intentionally. Um, we'd see more. And this, this requires us to trust God, to trust God, and to believe that God is the ultimate gardener. And as much as we can plant and we can sow and we can water, God is what causes anything in our lives to grow. Have you ever stopped and thought how amazing it is that the body can regenerate? Have you ever thought about that? That your body heals, that bones grow back. Like it's amazing to me, but it's also a picture of understanding us as a community and our lives. Sometimes it requires a trust in how God works in our midst and God works in our life. And to illustrate this, and I'll move on to the next one, is... um, Every time you and I are committed to vision that requires some measure of trust in God, a trust in His promise to keep patience and to grow in maturity, and we're talking about longevity here. Every time you do that, the reason it hurts a little bit is because it requires a stretch. And stretching always hurts. If you've ever tried to stretch straight in the morning and getting ready to do some exercise, it always hurts, right? That's part of the stretch. But it's in the stretch that you and I experience growth. And we'll experience growth as the church community. And I saw this in action. And, and this is just, I guess, from my heart and the vision I have for our community. At Christmas time, we obviously ran, we do a production every year. We had four services, but this place was packed out to the back wall, right? Four amazing services. Now, this took, it took planning, it took money, it took volunteers, it took initiative. Like, it was a lot and it was stretching. I know a lot of you worked hard, a lot of you gave a lot, a lot of you prayed a lot. It was stressful for a lot of people. It was heaps. But during that weekend, I was looking around going, could we do this, like, regularly? Could we actually stretch to be the kind of church community that can grow. And I don't think it's any coincidence that we, as the people who are currently part of Suncoast Church, have an auditorium that seats 1,500, 1,600 people. 
I think we owe it to our city. We owe it to those who have invested in the past and we owe it to the next generation that would be bold enough and trust God enough. I just believe we could be the type of church community that could reach thousands of people with the message of Jesus Christ, thousands. But it requires faith, right? It actually requires stretch. It requires vision. Okay, point number three. (laughs) He said, I pray that you know how wide, how long and how high is the love of God. So here's my wish is that we would keep aligning our priorities with God. And this is a simple one, but it's no secret that what Jesus taught and what Jesus showed set a brand new way of doing life, a much higher standard, sometimes an impossible way of doing life. But here's the thing. My prayer and my unapologetic wish for us is that we would continue to prioritize the way that God prioritizes things and outwork that in life. For example, that you and I, and for those that are married here, that you would love your spouse in the same way that you have been loved by Jesus Christ, that you would lead your families, that you would conduct yourself in your work environment, that your personal morality, the way you and I treat people, that this would all reflect the Jesus way. My ultimate prayer, my ultimate wish for us is we keep aligning our priorities in our life and how we live our lives is this, that people in our world, because of how you and I live our lives, they would get the chance to meet Jesus well before they ever walk into any of our doors or any of our meetings. My prayer is that they wouldn't even need to. My wish is that all they would need to do is meet you. And that when someone gets to meet you, and when someone gets to encounter your life, that they would then have a chance to know more about Jesus Christ. And maybe you're someone here that's not even sure about Jesus. And again, you might be someone visiting here today. Maybe the reason you have had a bad perception of what God is like or what Jesus is like, because maybe you've met someone that carries the name Christian, Jesus follower, and they've left a bad taste in your mouth. And as much as we, I can't do anything about that, what I can tell you is this. Our, the current struggle for Christians is always to be able to say to the world around us, hey, look at our life. But often we ask people to look at our life, not because we've got, got it together, but because we know where we're broken. And in those areas where we're broken, we lean into our trust in Jesus Christ. And He accepts us and embraces us and forgives us and makes us better in those areas where we could never do it on our own. So my third wish for you and I is that we would keep aligning our priorities, what's important to us, what we celebrate, what we recognize with what God celebrates. Fourth and final one is this. said, I pray that you know how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of God. So here's my final wish, is that we wouldn't relegate God and His people to emergencies. What do I mean by this? A deep faith, and this is what Paul's prayer was for the church at Ephesus, that they would know how deep this goes. It isn't simply intellectual. It's not about just simply knowing more stuff, knowing the ancient Greek and Hebrews and being able to quote it all. A deep faith is so much more than intellectual. A deep faith is personal. A deep faith means you've allowed your faith in Jesus Christ to get involved in every area of your life. That it isn't something you keep for Sundays. It's not something you keep for a little half an hour at the beginning of your day, that your faith in Jesus has something that has got inside of your whole life and you'd have allowed Jesus to transform every part of you. And so this is why my final wish for us this year is that we wouldn't relegate our faith in God and we wouldn't relegate our connection with the body of Christ, with His church, to simply emergencies, to when things go wrong. My prayer, my wish for you, for example, is that you don't simply reserve prayer for when you need a car park. 
right? That Let me put it this way to you. Right? Have you ever found yourself in, maybe financially, you've found yourself in like the worst predicament and you've, got, you've found yourself in trouble, you're in a tight place and you have tried everything. You've been investing, you've been saving, you've been taking classes, you've been attending Lifetime Wealthy, you've been doing it all, right? You've been reading, you've been getting mental, you tried everything, but you got so desperate. You got so desperate because you're in so much trouble that you tried that last resort. And maybe some of you, you're here today because you're trying a last resort. And your last resort is you finally then turn to God and go, God, I've tried everything else. And so you finally turn to God. And you know, the amazing thing is, I'm so, like, God is so cool with that. And often God meets us when we have come to the end of ourselves, and God's grace encounters us when we realize our strength never cut it. And I'm so grateful we have a God who gets us out of trouble. What you have to understand is God is so much more than just someone who can get you out of trouble. God is the God who can keep you from trouble. And if you see God as someone that you'd easily turn to in your emergencies, well, my prayer and my wish to you is that you wouldn't relegate him to that role in your life. That you would invite him into everything that Jesus wouldn't be on the bench until you're, you're completely, completely tired. And so it's like, I'm tapping out Jesus, your turn, right? Take the wheel. It's like, no, no. If I recognize you're the God who'll get me out of trouble, you're the God who can keep me from trouble. And that you would invite God into every area of your life. You wouldn't relegate God to Sundays. You wouldn't relegate God to when I'm on roster, then I'll be. You would invite him to every part of your life. This works with finances. Obviously, my prayer, if you're someone who hasn't learned to prioritize God at the front end of your finances, that this year you would learn to invite Him there. But it goes so much more than that. It goes for connections in our lives. And this is so important. In fact, this is probably the most important thing. And I need to finish with this. Is we're a large church. We are a growing church. Um, over the weekend, particularly with Wi-Hi kicking off uh, this Friday night, so it's one of our major services we do. We have anywhere around seven to 800 people who attend any given weekend. And we have around 1,500 people who call our community home, right? So there's a, lot, there's a lot of people here. And so you can easily kind of be part of the crowd and not get connected too much. But here's, here's the thing, that's not a value of ours. Our value of ours is that you would connect because of this. Maybe you don't need a big community in your life right now, but you might one day. And more than that, maybe there's someone else who needs you in their life right now. What's often a tragedy is when, when a tragedy would strike a family or strike someone's life or strike a home and they're not connected in community. And as a church, we want to be able to help and resource and support and be there. And what makes it often really difficult is just when we don't know someone and someone's been on now, again, we will do everything we can, but here's the thing I'm, I'm asking you this year. Maybe this is my wish for you. This is my prayer for you. This may be something you can con- consider is that you wouldn't relegate your involvement and your investment into this church community and building connections and building relationships to when you're in trouble. Could by then, it can often be too late. It's like the damage could sometimes be done. Like we often only hear about people's marriages being in trouble when the damage is done. So what if you're in community that helps support one another in your marriages and parenting and life in temptations? Don't relegate your connection to community to when emergencies happen in your life. And more than that, you have something to contribute to others. And maybe there's someone who's going through an emergency right now. What if you were in their life so you could be the first person there that they wouldn't have to call up an ambiguous number or send an ambiguous email? You are there. You're ready to love. You're ready to help. You're ready to serve. You're ready to contribute. So that we wouldn't relegate God and His people to emergencies. No different to our spiritual growth. I could go on and on and on, but they're my wishes for you. They're my four wishes. And do you know that Jesus has a wish for you too? 
as much as I've got mine and, and, you know, we might not all agree about them, but Jesus had a wish for you and I. And on his last night, I want to finish with this prayer. Jesus prayed a prayer. On his last night on earth before he was arrested and crucified, Jesus was praying for his disciples. And then John, who was there, recorded what he prayed next. He prayed for you and I. And here's how he puts it. This is Jesus' wish for us. He says, my prayer is not for them alone, speaking of the disciples who are with him. He says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Who's he talking about? You. He's talking about us. The disciples saw what they saw. They saw resurrected Jesus. They couldn't keep quiet about it. They started spreading the message everywhere. And now here we are 2,000 years later in Kill Mountain Road, Wombai, following Jesus. It's amazing. He said, I'm praying for those who will believe in me through their message. So here he is praying 2,000 years ago for us, that all of them may be what? One. So that they may be brought to complete unity. So here's his prayer for you and I. Out of all the things he prayed for when he saw us, his ultimate prayer was that in all our differences, in all our different backgrounds and cultures and persuasions and politics and opinions and criticisms and commentaries and all of this, hear this prayer that somehow with all of our differences, Jesus understood that his message and his life was the one thing on the planet that could truly unite everyone and their differences. And this is the prayer that we would all be one. Remember, Paul talked about togetherness. He said, I pray that you together with all the Lord's holy people would grasp this whole idea of the love of God. Well, Jesus is praying for unity. And then this is what he says next. This is amazing. He said, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus is saying this, the way you're in unity, the way you experience togetherness, the way you are as a church community, that is a witness to the world. And through the way you are united and through the way you show the depth and the heights and the length and the breadth of the love of God, He said, that is how the world will know that I am real, that I was sent and that God has loved them even as God loved His own beloved Son. So here's all I'm asking us at the end of this series, my wishes for us, is that what unites us, what unites us, the love of Jesus Christ, that togetherness, that that would be louder this year than all the things that are different about us. That the loudest thing as we come together, as we do community, as we celebrate, as we serve, as we give, what unites us, the love of Jesus Christ would be louder than anything that divides us. It's Jesus' wish for us, and that's my wish for you this year too. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for this amazing community and for the way you're growing us and changing us and healing us. I thank you for the great things you've called us to do, but more than that, the people and the community that you've called us to be. Help us be that. Help our hearts continually be united and come together around this idea of just how deep, how wide, how long, and how high your love is and that every person here today we're not in their own lives in a deep, deep way. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by what you heard and inspired to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. Hope you can join us again on the next podcast or here at Suncoast Church.